Okay. If you've got your if you've got your little map, we'll refer to it a little bit. Last week we were at, we were at uh, the woman at the well. That's all we knew her by. She was a Samaritan, and we talked about the Samaritan race, which was half Jew, half Gentile, and the Jews and the Gentiles didn't have anything to do with one another. And this started back in the book of Ezra, and to this present day that we're looking at, it was about 560 years that the Samaritans and the Jews had been back and forth with one another. So Jesus was going a straight shot from Jerusalem up to Galilee. And in verse, um, in verse 5 of chapter 4, he says he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar. And you see that on, on, your, uh, on your, your map right there in the middle of, uh, of um, um, Samaria. At the top is Galilee. And we'll see some more in just a moment. Let's pick up in verse 39. From the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. Testimony. We all got one. We, we've, got, we've got a testimony in life. You pay your bills. You don't pay your bills. You don't show up on time. You show up on time. You know, you're easy to get along with or you're not <laughs> easy to get along with. And in a testimony for, for Jesus, you know, what has the Lord done for us? And we, we, we all have that. With this lady, um, she, Jesus rung, rung her bell as we talked last uh, last week and she went back to the city and she brought them in and she says this guy's told me everything that I've done and so verse 39 says because of that many believed <clears throat> verse 40 when the Samaritans came to Jesus they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed two more days many more believed because of his word and they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know this one is indeed the Savior of the world. You know, once you have an encounter with Jesus, <laughs> it's a new day, a, a new ball game. <clears throat> Verse 43, we'll... Watch our map here. After two days, he went forth into Galilee. So he went from Sychar on up to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to, to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. So we didn't have CNN or Fox News or anybody else 
and yet word spread. Uh, word, it, it's no different then than it does today, except we hear it in a nanosecond, you know, uh, what, what, what's going on. Verse 46, there came, excuse me, therefore he came to Cana, you see it right up there to the left of the big part of Galilee, and we know that. Um, and, and this verse says, where he had made water, water, wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. And you see Capernaum right up there on the Sea of Galilee. So there wasn't, there was a little trek between Cana and Capernaum, but he was there. And when he heard uh, this, this official, uh, verse 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. So he told the official, Jesus did, Go, your son lives. So the man believed it, and he started off going home. And as he was going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour when Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he believed, excuse me, and he himself believed and his whole household. He believed in his whole household. Uh, that's reminiscent of when Paul and Silas were in, in, in prison. His, the jailer believed and his whole household. <clears throat> so verse 54. And this again, a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judah into Galilee. Now, take this little paper, piece of paper that says the miracles of Jesus. And it's got them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we've, we've all said, you know, that the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, show a lot of the same things and you see the references there and then you see John off by itself and you'll notice that 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 the ones John did the other apostles or the other writers did not did not uh, do that or did not cover that the difference is look down to verse uh, number um uh 19, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, that's the only one that all four Gospels record the feeding of the 5,000. 
<clears throat> but <clears throat> the, the scripture we just read said Jesus performed this, this second sign. Well, we, we call these signs miracles as they are. So this is just, as we go through the book, we'll, we'll highlight these, uh, and we're going to see one of them today, uh, <clears throat> number, number eight <clears throat> down there, uh, the healing at the uh, infirm man at the pool of Bethsaida. Excuse me, yeah, but Bethsaida. Okay. Uh, you can hang on to that, and we'll look at it as we as we go from time to time. Okay, chapter five. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he was in Canaan of Galilee he healed the the nobleman's son and he at uh, and then he went down to Jerusalem he up is a topographical thing Jerusalem was higher in elevation than the other one was uh, so we um, we scripture says he went up We don't know what the feast was that they that they went. We we have no idea what the feast was, and uh, <clears throat> so let's look now at verse two. Now there was in there, excuse me. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porticos. Okay, in this side of the of of scripture, we have archaeology evidence, and and a lot of people have studied this. And um, one of the books that I use to to uh, as a reference, Art Art and I do two different things. He's got he's got his computer. He's got over a thousand. Uh, commentary is on his computer. He's been getting them for years. But Swindoll, I can understand Swindoll. He's kind of simple. I don't, I, that didn't come out right. But anyway, <laughs> he, he, what he's, the way he says it is simple like I can understand it. But this is one of the books that, that I follow. Let me read you a little bit about what he says about this, this um, um, uh, pool there with having five porticos. The pool described by John bears a striking resemblance to a complex of two pools surrounding the five colonnades near the northeast corner of Herod's temple. It's there today. And you know, these, these, these structures. When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, he apparently visited this pagan sanitarium. It was, uh, it was built by the Greeks. Now, we know the 400 silent years between Malachi and, and, and Matthew. We don't have any direct revelation from God, but in secular history, that's when the Greeks were very much in prominence. And when Jesus came on the scene, everybody spoke Greek. They wrote in Greek, and it was a great... Uh, <clears throat> 
a great influence, and it is today. Well, they had built these these pools, and they had the idea. <clears throat> uh, they believed in a god of medicine, and they dedicated this to him. And they said, uh, you know, um, this is where it is. Now, whether this miracle of moving of the waters, which we'll see in just a minute, was real or imaginary, we don't know, but that's what the Scripture says. Okay, when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, he apparently visited this pagan sanitarium, which lay in the shadow of the great temple built by Herod. The temple authorities, especially the Pharisees among them, would never have entered the place and probably rebuked any Jew that did. So here we go again, you know, the the Pharisees and their and their I don't know, in their own way, just like they wouldn't go through Samaria like Jesus did, the straight walk, they would go around it because they didn't want to have anything to do with with um <clears throat> with this type of thing. And so Swindoll says that they probably would have never gone there. The name Bethesda is a kind of a play on words, meaning house of grace or house of outpouring water, a curious blend of Hebrew religion and Greek superstition held that an angel of God periodically stirred the waters and promised healing to the first invalid able to pull himself into the pool. There could not have been a more fitting image of legalistic religion in all of Israel. Around the symbol, the symbol of life lay def- desperately sick people, all waiting to race each other in a pathetic scramble of invalids in which healing went to the least needy person among them. How's that for grace? <laughs> he says, <laughs> we know the underground spring periodically fed the pools. So so this is where Jesus is. He's in a place again where where the normal uh, Pharisees wouldn't go, the religious leaders of the day, and he's this is where we find himself. Verse 3 of chapter 5. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick blind, lame, withered. Now, your Bible may have a bracket or something around the next word waiting for the moving of the waters. Do you, do you have that maybe? Uh, that's this and the rest of verse 4 um, is not in the original manuscripts, but <clears throat> Swindoll again says that maybe some scribe somewhere along the line um, put this in which was probably uh, tradition at the time but it's in scripture I believe it and that's it so waiting for the moving of the waters verse 4 for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water whoever then first <clears throat> after the stirring up of the water stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted a man was there that had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he was already been there a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered, 
Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. Now, it was on the Sabbath. <laughs> John just happens to put that in. It was on the Sabbath. Verse 10. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, Is it the Sabbath? And is it not permissible for you to carry your pallet? He answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin any more, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. So we have the story, the miracle of the man that had been at the pool 38 years. That's a good trivia question sometimes. I, in my YouTube watching, Tiber, I watch these uh, Bible trivia, and that, that was one question this week, and I got it right. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, he'd been there 38 years. Jesus knew him. I mean, he's the God of all glory, you know. And he said, you want, you want to get well? And, and then he said, well, I... I do, but I don't have anybody there. He said, well, pick up your pallet and go home. The Jews saw him walking around. What you doing with your pallet? Don't you, don't you know this is a Sabbath? Don't you know this is a Sabbath? Jesus was looking for him because he said... <clears throat> In, in verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple. So he must have been looking for him. Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. We'll, we're going to see this, don't sin anymore. Jesus says a lot of times when we go through it, when we get to chapter 9 about the woman that was caught in adultery, he says the same thing to it. The man went away and told the Jews because the Jews in verse 10 says, why are you doing this? <clears throat> people have influences on people. And this group of Pharisees, the Jews, you know, had influenced the whole nation. And they got, they got why are you doing this? Why are you taking your pallet? So, when Jesus found him 
and he knew it was Jesus, what'd he do? He went back and let me tell you who, who told me to pick it up. It was Jesus that told me to pick it up. And the man went away. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Well, last week we chased a rabbit on the Samaritans. Today we're going to chase a rabbit about the Sabbath. When is the Sabbath? The seventh day, or in our calendars, Saturday. Have you ever heard a good old deacon from time to time says, Lord bless us on this Sabbath day? And that was yesterday, if he was talking about Sunday. Sabbath. Okay. Where did we start? We start at the beginning. So go to, to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll, we'll look at a little bit about this. We got in Genesis chapter 1 where God spoke the world into existence. And the last verse, verse 31, God said, All that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, and the sixth day. Chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts but the seventh day God completed his work which we he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because it had rest, he had rested from all his work which God had created and made. Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, the 20th chapter. And you know that that's the Ten Commandments. So, Exodus, the 20th chapter. <clears throat> when Jesus, oh, excuse me, when Moses was giving the Ten Commandments to the Jews, he gave it in Exodus 20, and then when we get to Deuteronomy 5, which is the second giving of the law, he said it again. But of all the Ten Commandments, he says more about the Fourth Commandment. Look at verse 8 of Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath uh, of the Lord your God. It is you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female servant or your cattle or the sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay. When we studied... Exodus and the Ten Commandments. 
we said that they were not to us. They were written to the Jews. But they're for us. And in every case of the Ten Commandments, Jesus blessed it in a different form in the New Testament. Don't commit adultery. Jesus said, don't even look at a woman for lust. He said, don't commit murder. Jesus said, don't have any hate in your, in your, in your life at all. You know, the only thing Jesus didn't talk about was the Sabbath. Turn to Hebrews. Now, let me see how I can tell you how to go to Hebrews. Uh, <clears throat> Hebrews is, uh, you might go to Revelation and go back the other way. Go back to your right. <clears throat> uh, left, rather. Excuse me, my other right. <clears throat> Let's go to chapter 4 of Hebrews. I'll give you a minute. You got... You got Philemon on one side, and I think it's, uh, what is it on the other side? James. All right, Hebrews chapter 4. Rest. And the writer of Hebrews tells us a little bit about that. Y'all with me? Hebrews chapter 4? Okay. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains for entering his rest. Any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have good news preached to us. Just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them. Because it was not united in faith in those who heard. For we have, belie we have believed... Excuse me. For we who have believed that rest, just as he said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage it said, shall, They shall not enter my rest. This is the Jews again who who were disobedient and were grumbling from the word go. Verse 6. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day. Today, through David, after a long time, just as it's been said, today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts for if Joshua had given them rest they would not have spoken of another day after that so they remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his work as God did from his therefore let us be diligent to enter into the rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Hebrews is saying, 
your forefathers grumbled and they didn't get this rest because they did New Testament there's nothing that says anything about rest go to Mark chapter 2 Matthew Mark chapter 2 Let's begin with uh, verse 23. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and how he, his companions, came, became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest? And he also gave to those who were with him. Verse 27, Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. <clears throat> well, um, What are some of the things you could or could not do on Sunday growing up? Read the newspaper. Cut the grass. Cut, cut the grass, read the newspaper, go fishing. Go to the store. Go to the store. Uh, it's, you know, it kind of shows where we are. What did the Sabbath have to do with, with, with this man that was at the pool. Nothing. It was this legalism that the Jews had tacked on to the stuff. Do we do the same thing? How many legalistic things can you remember? Tell me. You know, what are some of the things that, that uh, growing up in a fundamental church <laughs> would, would, pardon? Can't dance. Like cars. Dance. She would cook on the day before. She would. Yeah. Couldn't play cars. I couldn't smoke. Couldn't chew. Couldn't go with girls who did. <laughs> 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 well, <clears throat> there's just a lot of things that we, you know, I remember when our boys were coming up. Uh, Longer hair on a boy was oh, yeah. one of those things. 
some people in the church didn't would frown on it. Daddy frowned on it. <laughs> you know, what did that have to do with anything? Yeah. Uh, and, they, and women couldn't wear pants. Oh, yeah. Okay, Pat. You, you, I've got that down here. <laughs> Just a lot of, a lot of things. Um, it's funny reading old, old, old um, newspapers and that kind of thing. I, some of you know that I, during this COVID mess, I. I wrote my book uh, that I'd been doing, and in the process, you know, we dig up old stuff, and and not too long ago, the '60s, you know, <clears throat> you ladies didn't have a name. Velta was Mrs. William A. Morris. My mother was Mrs. Alton Morris. You go back and read some of these announcements for a bride and see how many first names to ladies you find. But I digress. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, off the, getting off the road. <clears throat> the Sabbath. Now, my grandfather and going past him, what did they call Sunday? More times than not, it was the Lord's Day. Right? You, you can remember that? Something happened around World War II. And the Lord's Day became Sunday. Sunday. Fast forward a few more years. And today, it's the weekend. It starts on Friday and it goes to Monday morning, the weekend. And Sunday is all in the middle. Growing up, there would never be a baseball game or a soccer game that our youth would play. Sunday was special. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. I mean, Sunday's just another day. In the world that I lived in for all these years in construction, our normal work week was four tenths. Thursday, um, Monday through Thursday, ten hours a day. That's our, that's our work week. The Sabbath. The Sabbath. <clears throat> what about some blue laws? I didn't, I did a little research and, and we, it's all like Sunday. It's all getting confused. We, you know, there was a time that we didn't do anything. We didn't buy, we didn't sell, we didn't go to anything. You, you stayed, Sunday was Sunday. Blue laws. Do you know where the term came from? Believe it or not, it had to do with, with paper. <laughs> blue laws, so-called, were due to the blue paper which the Puritan leaders printed 
the Sunday trade restrictions back in the 18th century. Great day, blue laws. What we do know to be the truth is a statement from John Wesley, and it's been said by different people in different ways. But John Wesley is quoted as saying, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. Bill Gothard said, what one generation takes in moderation, the next generation will take in excess. Folks, that's true. We've seen it time and time again. We've come a long way from the legalism of the Sabbath that the Pharisees were talking about, but we hadn't come very far with our own legalism, the things that we have built up in our mind that you don't do. We have to, we have to come back and says, does it really matter? Does it have anything to, like the Samaritan woman believing in Jesus, like the Samaritans there that said, stay two more days and we want to talk to you and love on you, and he did and they believed on him. Does it have anything to do with that? Do all of these things that we, we trump up, you know, does it have anything to do with worship, the true and living God? If it doesn't, we need to shuck it. <laughs> we need to leave it alone. It's these things we hold loose, these things from tradition, these things that we do because we've always done it that way. Seven last words of the church, you know. And so, so in this particular case, uh, we need to really watch it. Can morality be legislated? You can't legislate morality. It means that we don't. It might mean we shouldn't. But in the world we live in today, morality itself it used to be if I shook hands with Kleber and we agreed on something, that's all we had to do. My word to his word was my our bond. Now, you can lie about anything and get away with it. Where is truth? This day and time, this is all the truth we know about right here. Everything else is a passing fancy. The Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day that the Jews rested. God told them to. We need to rest. There's a day which we need to rest. We grew up in, I grew up in dairy farming country. All my classmates and High school, every their all families had a thirty cow dairy. 
a lot of things didn't happen on, on Sunday, but they milked cows twice a day. And, and we have work today and some more things. Yes, it kind of gets in the way of our, our worship. Yes, you can worship someplace else but, but besides church. But Hebrews also said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as a matter of some is. But do it all the more as you see the day, day approaching. We need to love on one another. We need to see one another. We need to worship one another. To the Pharisees, Sabbath was everything. To Jesus, he said, was man made for the Sabbath or the Sabbath made for man? We do need to rest. We need to, to rest from our body. I, I did a, a paper for my boss one time about working 12 sevens. <laughs> uh, you can't do it but about a week and your production goes down the tube and everybody gets sick. Everybody gets sick. Well, enough of my rambling about the, 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 the Sabbath, but you understand that this was very legalistic to, our, to the Jews at the time. We'll pick up next week where Jesus talks about how he and the Father are one. And that's some heavy, some heavy stuff next week. Thank you, folks, for coming. Um, uh, we, Kathy, this young lady behind you, what's your name, hon? My name's Honey, you're welcome here in anything.
Yeah, thank you so much for your testimony, honey. Glad to have you here today. And you're, dress, you're, you're dressed very appropriately. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's go to the Lord and we'll be dismissed to the further service. Father, we thank you for everything you are and we thank you for what we've just heard, a testimony of God's healing and God's grace. And Father, we're so grateful for all that you've done in each of our lives and we thank you for being here. So bless us as we go from now here. Now be, be with Pastor Bobby as he preaches and uh, Tracy is the singing and everything that's said and done. May you be glorified in and through it all. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.